Congregation, the scripture reading for tonight, you can find in the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we will read of the book Isaiah, chapter 40, the verses 1 to 8. And in the New Testament, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, beginning with verse 25 to the end. So Isaiah 40, the verses 1 to 8, and the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25 to the end. Hear the word of the Lord. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert an highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain shall and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice has cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field, the grass withers, the flower fades, then the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but The word of our God will stand forever. Therefore, says Christ, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look, At the birds of the air, neither they sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in All his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own Terrible. Dus vaart de reading of God's Word. 
congregation, we are at the beginning of a new year, the year 2018. And before we leave this place in this new week, then the question for you and me is, what is now your comfort for this new year? Your only comfort. It's a very personal question. In fact, it is a question of life and death. As the one of the Reformed Confessions begin, the Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only comfort in life and death? It is a catechism that is often forgotten by many and facing objections. Some argue this catechism is not up to date and should be modified or replaced by other means of instruction. I learned recently that we actually have a Twitterism, the whole entire Heidelberg catechism in tweets, 129 tweets. Or people argue that our new pedagogical instructions the increased skepticism towards a form of instruction that is based on knowledge acquired by root. The argument goes, is this teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism not too heavy on the, on the cognition, on learning itself? Or other people would say, yeah, this is a catechism, this question that you ask us, that is uh, written in, in the 16th century. We live now in a different time, in a different context. We live in a different time that needs an other way of conveying the Christian faith. To be relevant is then the word, relevancy. To be relevant to the present time. Not the teaching of the Protestant Reformation, but something else. And yet in this world, this catechism, this first question in particular, is honored and used by many particularly in the Reformed circles around the world. That it is Australia, or Canada, or Brazil, or the Netherlands, South Africa. But this catechetical, this confessional document that was published in 1563, so more than 450 years ago, begins with this question, what is your comfort? And congregation, brothers and sisters, this is a rather surprising opening question. When you consider the 1560s in and around the city of Heidelberg, the time of a political struggle, a time of a constraint, the Protestant elector, Frederick III, belonged politically to the Roman Catholic Emperor Charles V. It was a time of theological controversy, the Lutheran and the Reformed disagreement concerning the presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper. It was a time of catechetical and confessional confusion. There were multiple books for instructing the Christian faith, sometimes conflicting, most of the time unsystematically. And moreover, there was a lack of confessional unity in the church. And precisely at that time, the elector 
Frederick III commissioned the faculty of the theology of the Heidelberg, Heidelberg University to write a new catechism. And he states in his preface of the Heidelberg Catechism, a summary course of instruction or catechism of our Christian religion according to the word of God. With the purpose, so he writes, to promote the maintenance of quiet and peaceable living among his people. So he asked for political stability and for the unity of the church. And that is not an administrative unity, but a confessional unity, a living orthodoxy. And third, to promote a unified catechetical instruction. And that new catechism of 1563 begins with the question, what is your only comfort in life and death? Surprising, I say. And also at the beginning of this new year 2018, it does not begin with the question, are you a Christian? It does not begin with the question, do you believe? It does not begin with the question, do you have a strong faith? It does not begin that it states what we believe and what is rejected, not an opening that points to the political constraints and the struggle of the time, or presents the theological controversy of the time, or pleads for an ecumenical instructional faith. It is also a rather surprising opening, placing this catechism in its own time. For example, Martin Luther, who opens the small catechism of 1529 with the discussion of the Decalogue, it begins with the first question, the first commandment, you shall have no other God. He said, what does this mean? And he answered, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Even not the catechism of John Calvin, written in Geneva, 1545. What is the chief end of human life? To know God by whom men were created. But the Heidelberg Catechism begins, what is your, very personal, what is your only comfort in life and death? Maybe this question comes as a surprise to you this evening. Because God knows how you came to church this night. Your life, maybe physical infirmities or struggles in daily life, or maybe grief over lost ones or loneliness. Maybe situations in, in your life, maybe no one knows about it and hope for the future. The year 2018, and to talk about death. What will this year bring us? But precisely, congregation, when we leave this place, what then is your only comfort in life and death? Shall we listen tonight to the answer, this, this, this very old answer, and a sometimes mostly forgotten answer, and yet it is a very comforting answer for you, for me, for us, this answer that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He 
has fully paid for all my sin with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. And therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on when we leave this place also for this new week from now on to live for him my only comfort three short main thoughts my only comfort congregation speak of Christ's precious payment in the second place of Christ's preservation and in the third place Christ's provision when we consider this question of the Heidelberg Catechism tonight, my only comfort, it speaks of three things. Christ's precious payment, Christ's preservation, and in the third place, Christ's provision. Your and my only comfort in our life And in the hour of death is this, that I am not my own. And think about it and pause for a moment in the the busyness of your life. I am not my own. In a time in which we live of increasingly individualism, in a time with worldwide social networks, and, and yet where many people, in particular young people, feel at loss sometimes and as never before, no sense of belonging. And all the ones that experience the loss of loved ones, you, what is your comfort? This, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul in life, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Young congregation, maybe that is not always experience, or strongly experience, or maybe I do not feel that. But to know, according to the catechism, a a certain knowledge, an assured confidence, worked by God's spirit and by the gospel in my heart, that I belong with my whole existence. Or as the apostle says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Both in life and death. I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. This comfort, that comfort, that in my being alone, in my loneliness, even when sometimes you are surrounded by others, but that you can feel alone, that you experience a deep loneliness of of, of not being understood, of, of in this individualistic world in which I live, in in my struggles and my strife, in my grief, when at at times seems that everything falls away in my life. But communication, it is not my feeling or my faithfulness or unfaithfulness, but Christ's faithfulness. My faithful Savior Jesus Christ, to him I belong I am, I am a member of him, 
a property of him, owned by him, who saved me. There is a poet who says, there was a time where I was trying to fight on my own, thinking that I was strong enough to get through it alone. And when problems piled up, heavily burdening me, but he stepped in and saved me mercifully. Jesus, that is Savior, because he saved us from our sin. In congregation, it is a futility to look for any salvation elsewhere. He has fully paid for all my sin with his precious blood and set me free from all the power of the devil. The apostle attests who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. To be reminded this evening, my hope, my comfort, yes, also for this new week, in the midst maybe of struggles and grief and pain, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, his precious payment. Christ, that is our teacher through word and providence. Christ is our priest who has set us free through his sacrifice on the cross and pleads always our cause with the Father. Christ, our King, who leads us by word and spirit, who keeps us, who guards us, to be reminded tonight on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Christ's precious payment through his blood and therefore, and only therefore, I belong to him. As the apostle says in Romans 14, for none of us live to himself and none of us dies to himself, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Is that your comfort? Is that your comfort? Our second thought, he also preserved me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Christ preservation. As the answer made it clear, he preserves me. He keeps me. He holds me in his hands. He upholds me. He strengthens me, even now, for the road ahead in life. In such a way, with fatherly care, not even a hair can fall from my head. And does not Christ comfort them? As we have read in the Gospel according to Matthew, I not two sparrows sold for a penny. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Yes, all things must work together for my salvation. But Christ preserves me 
That is my comfort. Do I always realize that? Do I always understand that? Do I always agree with that? That all things must work together in my life? Maybe there are times in your life that you look back. And maybe you see disappointments and disillusions and even maybe discontent. Or maybe you see ways in your life that you did not expect. Maybe never thought that it would happen. And then still believe all things must work together. The catechism said, and we know that this, we are aware of it, we notice it, we see it in our life when you attend to it. All things, not by chance. Yes, even in times of affliction and trials and testings. And there can be many. But to see them as a means appointed for us, what is best for us in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. They work together for good. They cooperate, they contribute to our good. They teach us the truth about our frail and passing condition, but also by grace to lead us to look to God for support and heaven for a final home. To say at times with the psalmist, it was good to be afflicted. As, as Jeremiah says, eh? Jeremiah the weeping prophet, for God does not willingly afflict, afflict or grieve the children of men. And does not the altar of the epistle to the Hebrews remind us in chapter 12, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Brothers and sisters, we are not afflicted either by chance or to our harm, but by God's providence and preservation for our profit. What is your only comfort? He also preserves me. That is his preserving love for all his children. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them to the end. What a comfort. Our third thought, Christ's provision. Did this very old answer, more than 450 years old, to this first question of the catechism, concludes, therefore by his Holy Spirit... He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. And listen careful. First, it is what he does, provides for. That he, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life. Did not Christ promise in the gospel according to John, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send you the spirit of truth, he shall testify of me. 
He will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare it to you. That is Christ's provision. The work of his spirit in us. Fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. God's word. Does it bear fruit in our life? Is it seen in the midst of the congregation? God is at work because we see love, joy, peace, patience. Difficult sometimes, eh? Patience, at least for me. Kindness, goodness, gentleness. Those little things. But fruits of the Spirit. Because He provides. And He guides us in a way that we should go, even in times that we do not know the way. Comfort, eh? Comfort. He guides us. Also, as congregation. As I understood, you are in a time of transition. Even maybe at times in all your discussions, you do not know the way forward. But He, the King of his church, the king of the church, also here on Leonard Street, Seventh Reformed. He guides us, he leads us, he takes us by heart and hand. And know and see in my life that you truly may experience the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me besides the still waters. And he assures us. He confirms to us with this gift of eternal life. And therefore, also tonight, to you here and those that listen, the gospel call comes to us this evening. Whoever believes in the Son, in Christ, has eternal life. As was pointed out in the introduction, I teach historical theology. And one scripture expositor, in the year 1710 comments, the real Christian has seen his or her guilt and misery and his or her need of such a savior. He has seen the suitableness of such a savior to all his spiritual wants and life situations and circumstances. He or, or she has found and felt the power of the word and the doctrine of Christ humbling, healing, quickening and comforting his or her soul. Although at times he or she finds still a conflict within himself, with sin and with the flesh and with this world. Yet he finds such a strength from faith in Christ that he can overcome the world and travel on towards a better. Such assurance has the gospel believer. And in that, Christ provides for. He assures me. But also secondly, being delivered from our sin, being assured of eternal life by the Holy Spirit, that we are heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. To live for him. That, that belongs also to our comfort. 
Not to live for my status, not to live for my career, not to live for my money, but for him. Discomfort. With our eyes of faith, our life, with all its challenges and confrontations, is focused on Christ. That I am accepted, not in the eyes and expectations of people, not because of my accomplishments or achievements or my position or prestige, or that I'm rejected by people because I'm not good enough. But this comfort that I am accepted by God in Christ, not because who I am, but because who He is. Did not Moses remind God's covenant people, the Lord did not choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest, the least of the people. But he chose you because, because the Lord loved you and redeemed you. Discomfort in life and death. Not in the first place what I must do for him. But what he has done and still does for me. And therefore out of gratitude, thankfulness, I'm willing. Yes, with all my shortcomings and sins. But with my whole heart, mind and affections willing... And ready from now on to live for him. Do you see, congregation, the gospel always transforms. Always transforms. To live, yes, also to, to, to live this building. Entering a new week. To live for him, Christ and him alone. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid crown, firm to the fiercest drought and storm. When fears are stilled and striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. What is your comfort? What is your comfort? If the catechism... Het aas aan je strong believer. De catechisme het aast. Wat is your hope? But the question is what is your comfort? Comfort that is provided. Comfort that is preserved. Comfort transform us to look away from myself, to look to Christ, to take refuge in Christ and to rest in Christ. And with this question, Ursinus, one of the authors of the Heidelberg Catechism, raised this question in one of his first systematic theology lectures. And then he asked, why should one begin with the question of comfort? Why should one ask the question of comfort in life and death? And then he says to his student at the University of Heidelberg, comfort, consolation. Consolation is the summa totius, the total sum, the essence of the entire teaching of the catechism, of the teachings of the church, of the teaching of the gospel. And I don't know your life and what is going on in your life. Maybe even already in the beginning of this new year, struggles and infirmities and 
maybe loneliness or maybe grief. We have heard from the from the prophet of old, comfort, comfort my people, says our Lord. The graft with us, the flower fades, but the word of God, this word of comfort and consolation will stand forever. What is your comfort in life and in death? And therefore comfort and encourage one another with these words. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we ask your blessing upon your word. To know personally that only comfort in our life and in the hour of death. That we do not belong to ourselves, but that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we grant that this reminder at the beginning of the year 2018, that we are mindful of that throughout the time that lies before us, the time that you give us life, or this year when we have to pass the Jordan from life through death. And so, Lord, be with each of us when we leave this place, that we may have this comfort in our hearts and minds, also for this new week, that we truly may look to the Lord Jesus Christ for all things necessary, also for this new week. Remember then us in your mercy and incline your ear to us and grant us your peace. Amen.